Rise and shine for National Biscuit Month with Hardy's Famous Buttermilk Biscuits. Made with love from scratch, fresh all morning. It's not the easy way, but it's the right way. Hardy's goodness in the making. What's going on, FN Nation? Welcome back. This is the Fantasy Alarm NASCAR DFS Podcast. I am Dan Malin, and I am joined, as always, by the FSWA three-time NASCAR Writer of the Year, Matt Sells. We are streaming this through the Better Sports Network. Matt, how you doing? We, uh, we're coming off a phenomenal race at Kansas, arguably one of the best, if not the best, uh, in the next-gen car. Uh, Kansas was a hell of a race. We're going to be previewing Darlington, but uh, you know we don't typically touch on the previous race too much when we do these podcasts because it's a pretty short show but i did want to get your thoughts on you know the last lap battle between denny hamlin kyle larson and the dust up on pit road between uh, ross chastain and noah gregson i thought it was a phenomenal race it had everything it had comers and goers it had pit strategy it had tire strategy a little bit of fuel mileage there at the end of stage two it seemed like um we had you know good clean hard racing we had some people making idiotic moves way too early in the race to be making idiotic moves um it had a it it was just spectacular i thought the denny larson thing was perfectly fine i'm not a hundred percent sure that hamlin really did anything i think it was larson just kind of getting tight and coming off the wall like i think you're right and i tend to agree with you especially because like even when the 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 last 20 laps or so like denny was making up ground just because larson kept getting loose right it's not the first time that larson hit the wall because obviously he you know puts it up near the wall. So um, I thought the two of them were, were great and conciliatory at the, you know, the post-race stuff. Larson very rarely talks crap about anybody and I'm sure he's not going to do it to Hamlin because they're basically on the same plane. Ross Chastain, I think may overtake Chase Elliott as the most popular driver in NASCAR this year. Like I, I, I think it's happening. Also, Larson has said that too, by the way. So I'm not the only one that thinks it. Um, he gave Gregson warnings. He told him to stop. He told him to let go. Gregson didn't, and then he landed a square one. So nice hook. Congrats, man! Like, and then by the way, anybody that smiles after punching you in the face is not somebody you really want to go mess with. I don't know if you <laughs> saw that shot of from behind his car. What is they were pulling Gregson off of him. Chastain was there with a big old grin on his face after punching Gregson. So like, I'm not messing with that guy. <laughs> just, just not. Um, look, Darlington, it's throwback weekend. It's a, usually a very good track. It's got a lot to live up to following that Kansas race. Cause that thing was fantastic. And those of you who voted no in Jeff Gluck's poll, you just want to watch the world burn because I, yeah. I don't... There was, there was no reason to vote no on that race. Somebody was like, well, it took too long. I'm like, get over it. Like... Like, what? <laughs> I mean, were there probably an excess of cautions? Sure. But I will negate and be fine with cautions all day if the quality of the racing is good. Like like, like you said, you could pass. You could pass for the lead. You know, in, in general, like, yeah. you know, the the tire wear was was a good narrative as well. You um, had three grooves to race like the entire 
the entire day. Yeah. Five wide restarts were insane. Like, I don't know. Like, there should be a petition made that every intermediate track should just be like, well, now we can't do auto club, right? Because it's going to a half mile. You should just have it be Homestead, Kansas, and Darlington is the only intermediates <laughs> on the schedule because they're the only ones that consistently put together good good racing. Uh, but like you said, it is throwback weekend at Darlington Raceway. We have the Trucks Xfinity Series and the Cup Series all in action. We are recording this just after uh, 12 p.m. Eastern on Friday. Uh, so the trucks haven't even gotten on track yet for practice and qualifying. Um, <clears throat> overall, you know, I guess we can talk contests a little bit. You know, Similar to last week where Kansas, where we were kind of saying like cash is fine, tournament's fine. Like there, there was really no bad contests you could play. Uh, we only get DraftKings contests for the truck series. And the truck series contests are awful. I'm already looking forward to Xfinity and Cup. Um, I, I, it's so hard for me to get excited about. Uh, what did what did they price Kyle Larson at? By the way, for Xfinity, I haven't even looked because I've only no. I mean been... for trucks. Now Kyle Larson's not in trucks. William Byron is, and Byron. Oh, Kyle Larson's doing the Xfinity race in place of Bowman. So Larson is so Bowman is scheduled to run. I can't remember if it's next week at North Wilkesboro. But Bowman was scheduled okay. to run for Spire in the seventh. Right. Track. Okay. Nope. Got the race weekends confused because I yeah. saw that Larson's replacing him. I just got the Larson's thirteen K for the Xfinity race. Byron in Kyle Busch's fifty one truck for Kyle Busch Motorsports is only eleven thousand one hundred, which that's is... a complete misprice. Exactly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> especially because Kyle Busch was thirteen five in the exact same truck a week ago but the truck wins everything when it's on the track and now you have a guy who nearly won the cup race last year in that truck right that uh but you know as far as the cup series goes you know cash gpps tournaments like all in play once again i think we can just get that one out of the way yeah now let me clarify as to why we're recording this on friday because it is a morning uh, qualifying and practice session for cup. So there would have been time to do it Saturday afternoon, except I have a very good friend of mine's uh, birthday party to go to Saturday afternoon. So, um, you know, it scheduling wise, this just worked a little better. Um, we can kind of give you the lay of the land here for contest selection kind of strategy from what we've seen previous races, what tracks we're looking at comparing this to, um, not going to delve too much into exact drivers that we're, we're looking at. Maybe a few. We'll save that for the playbook. Uh, but, yeah, cash and GPP are fine this week. Uh, it doesn't look like weather is going to be that big of a concern in in Darlington this weekend. Um, you know, looking at the weather reports, it looked a lot worse for Kansas at this point in the weekend than it did, <laughs> than it does now for Darlington. Um, but for those of you who may not remember or need a refresher darlington all grouped with the intermediates is a 1.33 mile track uh, so not the full one and a half um and it's fairly steep the banking here is makes it one of the steepest banked intermediate tracks on the schedule also tire wear is huge uh darlington the surface eats the ever-loving daylights out of the rubber on them goodyear tires uh we're talking like auto club level worse than homestead Certainly worse than Kansas. Um, so, you know, controlling the car when the tires are wearing down is going to be a big thing here. 
Not to mention, setup on the car is tricky here because the ends of the track are different. It is an egg-shaped track. Um, and I will touch on that with my grill versus grill video that I'll be doing with Edward Rouse here this week. Because uh, I'm grilling something specific for Darlington. I like to theme these. So we'll talk about that in the grill versus grill. But it has to do with a pond at the end of one end of the track that they didn't want to destroy. So um, it makes things a little tricky. Guys that can figure this track out are usually good here regardless of what's happening elsewhere. Um, so we're kind of going to lean on that. Uh, for me, in terms of tracks that compare to it, I'm looking at the four main intermediates that they've run this year. Auto Club is an intermediate, sure, the two-mile track, whatever. High tire wear is huge at Auto Club, so that compares. Um, Vegas, yes, it's not a tire wear track, but it is a steeply banked. Um, it is getting older, though. It is getting older. It's in the desert, so the sun yeah. and the sand you know, grind that thing down. Um but it is also a, a track where it's tough to pass. So track position is key at Vegas, just like it is at Darlington. It's also steeply banked, so that fits. Dover is a very steeply banked track. They ran the intermediate package there. It kind of fits. Sure, it's a little shorter, but not everything's going to match perfectly with Darlington. It's a one-off track, basically. And then Kansas for tire wear um, also fits in there, too. So those are the ones we're looking at this week. Are you going to read into the tire combination narrative pretty tightly? Um, they are running the same right size that they ran at Kansas. Um, and I believe this is this, this is not the same tire combination that they ran at Darlington last year. It's going to be the same one that they ran at Homestead auto club and one other track. I think it might be Vegas, but should we, you know, considering last year was the first year of the next gen car, should we even look at, how Darlington last year played out in those two races, or should we more so concentrate our research and our attention to what they've done on this tire combo at Homestead Auto Club and pretty much the high tire wear tracks of this year? Uh, I would factor <clears throat> in. I'm not saying like it's strictly, oh, this guy was great at, at you know, Homestead. So we're playing him because, you know, it fits with the tire. Like, it's part of the research. Am I going to ignore it? No. Am I going to base everything on it? No, it'll be a factor. Um, it's hard for me to go back to exactly what we saw at Homestead last year because it was one of the first races in an intermediate package in the next-gen car last year, and it had different tires than you know some of the other ones we saw earlier in the year. So... The If you look back at what we saw early last year, the cars that were fast to start with almost faded as the season went on last year because everybody else caught up and found speed and um, whatnot. Am I leaning on guys with – like, if that data matches good track history here, sure, we'll be all over those guys, right? But um, we're not strictly going off of, like, the three races they've run these tires on. We're going to, you know, mix it all together. All right. Um, and I guess <clears throat> overall in terms of manufacturer, um, the Chevys have universally been fast almost everywhere, specifically yep. Hendrick Motorsports. JGR 23XI, you know, last year the Toyotas got off to a pretty horrendous start, came on strong towards the end of the year. Um, and then earlier this year there seemed to have been a little bit of struggle, but – especially coming off of the last two races where JGR drivers have won. 
Can we assume that we can feel good about, you know, the Chevys and the Toyotas again having speed this week and that maybe the big concern is going to be once again with the Fords? Yeah, I think that played out at Kansas last week. I mean, not to be a prisoner of the moment, obviously Kansas is its own track, but I think we saw that, right? We saw the Toyotas and the Chevys rise to the, they were typically the ones running up front most of that race last week. Um, the Fords had a couple of guys that were, but for the most part seemed to struggle um, in this package and like most drivers and it's not just like eye results that I'll tell you this but if you listen to Denny Hamlin talk or you listen to Kyle Larson on his podcast or you listen to Dale Jr. has pointed it out on his or the door bumper clear guys have kind of talked about it a little bit there's a lot of drag in that Ford Mustang body like yeah. and it's not really anything they can do about it right because you can't lower the car a certain amount because you have to be within the regulations you can't um raise it up you can't tilt it a certain way to get it out of the wind you can't raise the spoiler or change that um so it's kind of like you know they're fighting with one arm tied behind their back a little bit because the the arrow, something they can't necessarily control, is affecting them in ways that Toyotas and Chevys aren't. Does that mean that they can't find a way around it? No, because Kevin Harvick seems to have. I mean, he's been a top 10 caliber guy at comparable tracks this year, right? But I also think that it's talking about the upper echelon of Ford drivers are going to find speed no matter what, because they're guys that know how to find speed, right? If we're talking about the younger guys, that need the base setup to be fast, I think they're going to struggle again. It's funny that you mentioned that we're on the topic of the fours and that we we both agree that Kevin Harvick has found a way around, way around it. Uh, when he retires after this year, if that whole team cannot figure it out, they are in so much trouble. Um, but I am curious what you think about a guy like Ryan Blaney this week, who I don't necessarily think of, who, who is in a Ford, who is probably – the one other guy that we can rely on to have good speed, maybe get a finish. Now, granted, he might be one of the more overrated drivers in the series just because it's been so long since he's won. And, and even in the final year of, you know, the last car that NASCAR had, the Gen 6 car, you know, speed was always there, just kind of got in his own way at times and couldn't get a win. Uh think he went winless last year he's winless so far this year and and again he's in a well technically he won the all-star race last year <laughs> that is true uh didn't get him no no not without controversy because he wasn't like his window net wasn't up i remember that like he um, was hold, he was literally holding it up but right um I, speaking of like i would trust logano more this week than blaney well, that I get because Logano won this race a year ago after he punted William Byron out of the way. Well, okay, but he was also on the pole. He was, he he was going to pass Byron regardless, so he just didn't need to move him. Right, exactly. That was, like, the thing. But he also finished fourth here in the fall. Yeah. Like, he's one of two guys that finished top ten in, or top five in both races last year. Tyler Reddick's the other one, which is an interesting thing as to do you trust him or do you trust the car more? Because if you trust the car... It's Kyle, it leans Kyle Bush, right? But if you trust him being in a Toyota again, then you go Tyler Reddick. Not but he's also, he is the kind of like aggressive driver that does love to run the higher line at this type of track too. Yeah, 
And, you know, there's some concern with Kyle Bush. He's either going to finish top seven or he's going to finish outside the top 20. That's basically what he's done in the last <laughs> eight races here. If you look back at his last eight races, he has four top sevens and four that are outside the top 20. So it's an all or nothing thing with with Kyle Bush. But getting do back you to maybe buy in, Do you maybe buy into Kyle Bush a little bit more because he did win an auto club in this car? Yeah, he's yeah. shown good speed in at similar races this car was fast he's also going to have um you know just a, a good team around him that seemed to grasp what they could do here last year given tyler reddick's uh runs and i do think that kyle bush is a sneaky tire management guy like we have to remember that kyle bush has won at every racetrack that the NASCAR cup schedule has run on except for a couple of the brand new ones that they've only won, like run once or twice, right? Like he hasn't run at the Roval. Okay. Never won at the Daytona <laughs> road course or road America, but those are all like brand new. They've only been run like a total of six times, right? Yeah. Um, Coda. Cause again, only been run like twice. Um, so, you know, going back to the, to the, to the Fords, I I don't know. I think Ryan Blaney has to show me something at this point. I don't really care like how mid tier he's priced. He's still struggling to pay off value. What are you doing with a guy like uh, Chase Briscoe, who in this intermediate package has really had his struggles, and he isn't a Ford, but he's seventy three hundred. The price tag just continues to drop. Um, this. This is the cheapest he's been since the Bushlight clash with the Coliseum. I mean, it just seems like Stuart Haas Racing in general is is struggling at times, aside from Kevin Harvick. But they're especially struggling with Chase Briscoe, who just it seems like the last two races he's just been routinely running thirtieth. Yeah, I just think. Well, I think it's. I think part of the issue is that if they don't nail the setup in the in the shop there's not enough track time for them to figure out like if it's off by a lot, you're screwed. Like there's been a ton of talk this week. Um, I don't know if you saw the Bob Pockers videos um, that he was blitzing Twitter with the other day about, you know, it's throwback Friday. So what do these drivers want to throw back to that they used to have? And almost everybody said more testing, like Mm. more track time. Kevin Harvick said it. I think Denny said it. I think Kyle Busch said it. Um, I don't think Larson said it because he drives so much for everybody else that he doesn't. <laughs> um, but I think that's part of the problem is that they know what they need for Kevin Harvick because he's driven all these tracks a bunch, but the other guys are still trying to figure out what they need aside from Almarola. And if the setups are on there, just up a Creek, like you can't like, it's like what we saw with Penske at Dover, right? Their setup was so far off that they had no time to do anything with it. I mean, obviously, weather played a role there, but um, uh, yeah, I think there's a handful of Ford guys that you can just plug in and know that you can expect decent days. I think Logano is one of those guys, again, despite me saying that he's been hard to peg. I think in intermediates, he's fine. I think everywhere else, it's kind of tricky. Um, Kevin Harvick is a guy who you can basically always count on for a top 10 shot 
if not better here, by the way, if you want to bet him, he's going off at plus 210 on BetMGM for a top five. He has seven top six finishes in the last eight Darlington races. I don't know why you're getting that big a plus money, but <laughs> it's kind of absurd um, that we're still that we're still getting that big a plus money on a top five for Harvick, uh, who, by the way, has looked pretty good in intermediate packages this year. Yeah. Um, all right. So <clears throat> as far as lineup construction goes uh, for tournaments, are we looking more at two dominator builds? I noticed that I've already got the truck playbook up for Friday night's race, but I noticed when I was looking at the you know loop data and all that, you know, it seems like for the trucks, at least there was like a, a good one, a dominator. And then there was like a one B dominator. And maybe there was like a handful of other drivers that were collecting a couple fastest laps, maybe five laps led if they stayed out on all their tires. But are you, are you basically going for the same kind of lineup strategy for the cup race and maybe even the Xfinity where you're looking for like one guy to really go out, dominate, and win, and then you get another guy that can maybe lead about 30 to 40 laps? Yeah, I would say so. If we look back here um, at last year's fall race, which was a li little different, but Kyle Busch started fifth, led 155 laps. Uh, he wound up finishing 30th because his engine – went kaput uh but then the next closest guy was 64 laps with joey logano who started on the pole again so that's two two races last year he was on the pole and then you have a 50 laps led 48 laps led you know the eric jones wound up winning from 15th leading 23 laps so you know it feels like if we go back to the spring race which is more comparable obviously for weather and whatnot logano won it from the pole led 107 laps and the next closest guy, um, you know, we had Larson leading 30. We had Denny leading 42. William Byron, who was two laps away from winning, wound up finishing 13th because he got, you know, walled by Logano, led 24. So, you know, it seems like <clears throat> over the course of the 290 or so laps that they're going to run, it seems like in this next-gen car we've had, and this has been the case over a bunch of intermediates, is that you have one guy who leads a bunch of laps um, and then a few others that hit like 50 to 65 or so. Um, it's a little tough to go back to the 2021 race because it, it was a 500, you know, the 500-miler. Yeah. Or, um, but it was also not the next gen. You had two dudes lead at least 145 laps in Larson and Hamlin. Um, so those two guys dominated that race. Um, but I would say, much like Kansas, kind of expecting a similar build to work out where you have one guy lead a chunk of laps and then kind of a 1B guy get like 50 to 60. Now, I know we are recording this before practice and qualifying. We do not know the starting order. Um, so we won't dive into too many specific drivers, but I am curious as to what you think about Ryan Newman this week. He's 5,800, uh, in the Rick Ware car, but do you suspect that maybe they have a little speed in this car with the SHR affiliation? Maybe he shouldn't be 5,800 on DraftKings. I kind of want to say, well, I'll take a shot on him. Like who else can we... <clears throat> I don't even want to say rely on in that in that price range. Top Gilliland. Um, I mean, yeah, joy. <laughs> every week. Um, which, by the way, DK, what are you doing, man? Can we get this guy up so he's not like the chalk budget play every single freaking week? Um, 
he just keeps he just keeps showing up and they don't change his price and they do not and I don't really I don't really get it because in the last five six seven he's eight, only had like one bad race in the last two months nine going back to the Daytona 500 he's hit 5x value like nine times yeah and he's had only two races or three three races in that stretch. Well, Daytona, I guess, um, where he's hit single digits. But everything else has been – in the last he's five races, he's topped 26 points in four or five of them. He's never been 6K in a single race. No, but if he's 5K in basically ever – you know, or, No, but I'm saying, like, I he should be – Yeah. He's, he's consistently hitting value, and he's, he's – as long as he's – He's fifty five hundred this week. He's an easily. He's an I mean, the fact that Ryan Newman comes off the shelf in what is widely considered one of the worst cars on track, and he's, he's three hundred dollars more than Todd Gilliland is a bit of a slap in the face. I would That's say he should be six K at least. Yes. Yeah. No, Gilliland should be. He should certainly be more than Gragson. Are we serious? Yeah. Like I'd Gragson. Gragson can't even win a win a sideline fight. <laughs> like it's amazing the last what one two three four five six seven races for Gregson, he hasn't topped 13 points on dk that's bad holy crap like, no wonder they're switching to toyota like he's hit 42 he hit 42 at uh atlanta but then he had a run where he didn't top 20 for a while. And like, like dating back to the Daytona 500, sure, he beat <clears> it in the clash and the duels, but who cares about those? Dating back to the Daytona 500, <clears throat> Noah Jackson has topped 20 DK points one time. Oof. It's amazing. And yet, <clears throat> and yet, he's priced higher than Todd Gilliland. And I mean, he's still making headlines for the awful haircut and getting punched in the face. So, I mean, he's remaining relevant. I mean, sure, but um, I don't know. I'll take a shot on Newman. I mean, <clears throat> Newman ran decently well here. It's not like one of his best tracks. Um, sure, the equipment is questionable, but what do we remember from Newman being hard to pass? Yeah. What is it tough to do with Darlington? Hard to pass. So if he can at least keep the car on track, I think he outruns, like, I think he finishes top 30, which... If Would he... this also be his first race in the next-gen car? Has to be, right? Has to be, I think, yeah. yeah. I would think. I don't recall him racing last year. I don't think he did. Uh, but we have uh, a few minutes left. Uh, we have... Can't really talk too much from a DFS perspective, but are there any bets? I know you mentioned before we started recording that you had finished your betting article for the race. Are there any that you may want to hint at or just give away for free? Um, I can give them away because the Pixwise piece, I mean, you can go read the explanations of okay. them, and I'm not going <clears> to <throat> give all of them out, but uh, that's going up today. It's going to be free. I'm going to mention one of them in the grill versus grill. That's the Kevin Harvick plus 210 one. I just think that that's just a misprice. Uh, is that for a top five or top 10? Top five. Top five. Uh, he's finished top six here, seven out of the last eight races at Darlington. Uh, he's shown solid top 10 speed at basically every comparable track. 
this year. So that's one that I that I really like. Also, top fives. It's interesting because there's basically only one guy who's consistently negative odds for a top five, and that's Kyle Larson at minus one eighteen. Um, so that's that's interesting to me. Um, if you want to look at a top ten, a top ten bet I really like is Austin Dillon uh, at plus two fifty through BetMGM. Um, if you're looking elsewhere, he's plus 230 on FanDuel for that, plus 225 at Caesars. So plus 250 at MGM is the best return. Yeah. Um, he has finished top 10 in most of the intermediate tracks this year. He has the seventh best average finish in the last eight Darlington races at 11.9. Um, he's got five top 10s in the last eight Darlington races. And I just feel like over the last year and a half, like he's gotten a lot better intermediate tracks on his own. And then you add to the fact that they've gotten way better at intermediates with Kyle Busch there this year. I, again, I I don't see sure. He's going off at a hundred to one to win, which I also, by the way, put as my long shot bet. Um, So I don't know. Plus two fifty for a top 10 is, is pretty decent return. I'm looking at uh, BetMGM. Uh, they have a matchup between Daniel Suarez and Noah Gregson. It's not great value, but Daniel Suarez is minus 225. And we've talked numerous times about just how bad Legacy Motor Club is right now. And and you just went on a small rant about how bad Noah Gregson has been, especially finishing races of late. And yeah. Suarez, a year ago in this race, he finished 10th. Uh, September of 2021, he finished 13th. And I guess the in even last fall's race, he started 36th and finished 18th. I have much more faith if they both run a clean race in Daniel Suarez and that team's speed than I do of Noah Gregson. So, you know, <clears throat> if we're taking head-to-heads, I would take Daniel Suarez, even though it's minus 225 over Noah Gregson. Yeah. All right, so I'll, I'll throw out my interesting head-to-head, and I know people people think Go I ahead. have an affinity for Bubba Wallace, but I really only put him in there when it's like, you know, when it makes sense. Um, and this one, to me, seems a little odd. So DK has Bubba Wallace against Brad Kislowski head-to-head. Kislowski's minus 130, and Bubba Wallace is plus 105. That seems interesting. If you look at their track histories, clearly Brad Kozlowski has the advantage there, though. I will say that they finished fairly close last year in the fall. Kozlowski P7 and Bubba P9. If you look at this year, though, over the four comparable races, they have almost identical average finishes, just with the pure average finish. If you look at Auto Club and say, okay, Bubba Blue and Engine finished P30, but he was really running inside the top 10 when that happened. Bubba has a Average finish between seventh and eighth in the four intermediate races this mm-hmm. year. Um, and then if you dig a little deeper, you'll find out that Bubba Wallace and Kislowski are even odds to win outright. Bubba is shorter odds in top three finish. He's shorter odds in top five finish, and he's shorter odds in top 10 finish. So what does that tell you? It tells you that Vegas thinks he has better chance of finishing top three, top five, and top 10 than Kislowski. Yet... Kislowski has better odds to beat out Wallace head to head. It doesn't, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. So I'm not saying I'm terribly strong on Wallace this week because this hasn't traditionally been a good track for him. But if all he has to do is outshine Kislowski and you get a plus 105 return, yeah. that's fine with me. 
That's a nice bet. And I mean, it, it doesn't necessarily hurt, but I mean, he's also running the truck race and truck time is truck time. Yep. All right. Well, Matt, thank you so much for your time. That was Darlington. Uh, we will be in the NASCAR DFS discord all weekend answering your questions. So best of luck to you, Matt, and best of luck to the FA nation. Hardy's two for $5 breakfast baked goodness into your morning. Choose a biscuit with sausage and egg, biscuit and gravy, or French toast dips. Any two, just $5. Hardy's goodness in the making. These items only. Price and participation may vary. Tax not included.